Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. I'm reading selections from Genesis in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may eat freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. I encourage you to try this trick sometime. When you see a guy, look at his watch and drop his arm back down. Ask him right after that, what time is it? Now, he should know because he had just looked at his watch, right? But almost guaranteed he will look at it again before he gives you an answer. Because that's not the question he was asking when he looked. Chances are he was asking, how much longer do I need to sit in this cubicle, or how much longer till kickoff, how much longer till this opera is over? He was probably asking some question other than, what time is it? The season of Lent is a 40-day discipline to help us ask the right questions, right? To just step back and ask the big question. What is this life all about? Why was I put on this earth anyway? Am I living into God's great big hope for me or not? Theologian Reinhold Niebuhr once said, There was a time that I had all the answers. My real growth began when I discovered that the questions to which I had the answers were not the important questions. Lent gives us a time to step back and ask the important questions. And of course, one of those important questions is embedded in our story for today. What is my purpose in this world? 
Now that question might not have been the first thing to pop into your mind when I read this familiar story. You might have imagined fig leaves or original sin or the fall or the serpent or the apple. Only there is no mention of an apple and there is no mention of sin. Instead, the passage does mention purpose. Why was I put here? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Why? To till it and keep it. We have holy work to do. We have vocation to till it and to keep it. To till, to serve and be slave of. To keep is to protect or to preserve. You have a purpose. And the story reminds us that when we break God's command, we compromise the human flourishing that we were intended for. If we serve this creation, then we must not be at the center of it. We weren't created to just sit up on the balcony sipping lemonade, watching the field hands. We're the field hands. We have this happy, holy work to do in service of creation. The creator who gives life also gives us meaning and purpose. God scooped us out of God's own originality and in God's image made us creative too. Stewards of a world we did not make. We get to participate with God in creativity. And from the very beginning we are told God granted us a twofold blessing. Procreation and work. I said that we're made in the image of God, and guess what? God does work. Check out sometime how many times the scripture says the works of God. Earlier in this story, you know that God worked, worked for six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. I worked hard to find a, a Mercer quote. So, anybody got Dr. Rick Wilson? Anybody in Dr. Wilson's class? Anybody know Dr. Wilson? There we go. Will you get word to him that he was quoted in my sermon today? It will mean so much. He had a sermon on this passage. I went and found it, found his quote. Here's what he said Dr. Wilson said, There is more to being alive than sharing the breath of God. He's right. We all need a garden to till. But we've got to tend this garden while we're also accepting the limitations of it. You may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Well, sadly, somewhere along the line, we lost the joy both of the work itself and the limitations. Limits are actually a good thing. Years ago, when I submitted my doctoral thesis project to my uh, doctoral supervisor, he read through it and said, Doc, you can't ride but one horse at a time. You're going to have to narrow this thing down. Limits are actually good. 
I think I might have told you this story before, but I heard, I heard the story behind the lyrics of the Lyle Lovett song, If I Had a Boat. The story's this, that he wrote this in his 20s when he was trying to search out his own vocational journey, what he would do with his life. And thinking back, he had this one season of life that he wanted to be a, a ship captain, a sailor. He had this other time in his life where he wanted to be a cowboy. The problem with limitations is that you have to choose. You can't do everything. But he didn't want to give anything up. So this is the chorus to the song he wrote. If I had a boat, I'd go out on the ocean. And if I had a pony, I'd ride him on my boat. And we could all together go out on the ocean, me upon my pony on my boat. But you see immediately how silly that is. We live with limits. Every tree is not ours to eat from. You you, you can't be a ship captain and a cowboy. You can't ride your pony on your boat. There is some limits. Professor Sam King wrote something similar. He took a sabbatical leave During the academic year of 1968-69, he kept a journal during this time, and I want to read part of that journal. He said, there's so many lives I want to live, so many styles I would like to inhabit. Camus' passion to lessen the suffering of the innocent. Hemingway's drive to live and write with lucidity. And the unheroic desire to see each day end with tranquility and a shared cup of tea. I am so many, yet I may be only one. I mourn for all the selves I kill when I decide to be a single person. I travel one path only by neglecting many. Limits are good. Otherwise, we would all die at the buffet table, right? And Augustine reminds us that that the tree itself wasn't bad. He says, but for the sake of commending a pure and simple obedience, which is the great virtue of the rational creature set under the creator as his Lord. Isn't that right? There is a rational virtue to understanding that our purpose can only be found beneath our limitations. And that true freedom can only be found in limits. You can't ride your pony on your boat. But we try. Some have argued that having our eyes opened as that fruit promise to do. Knowing good and evil is really the desire to make ourselves negotiators of good and evil. You see, the, the tempter, the serpent, tempts us by telling us there are no limitations and that God really only wants to limit your freedom. Think for yourself. Don't you let God or anybody else tell you what's good for you? Good, evil, you decide. Be like God. It's your life after all. Limits? No, you're free. It's no way to live. 
When Melissa and I were living in small town North Carolina, we were invited regularly to pig pickings. I have never been to a pig picking since, hadn't been to one before. So for those of you who are not as culturally educated, it is an outdoor barbecue where the whole pig is smoked and you go by with your plate to the open carcass and you just get out of there what you want. If you want a rib, then you just got to wrench one out. No kidding. And they would throw pig pickings for anything. Wedding rehearsals, back to school party, customer appreciation night, any excuse would do. And these were often nice affairs. You just have to roll up, you know, to get back in the... Yeah, no kidding. So at one pig picking, I met this guy I'd never met before. And a new guy to me, it was a town of a thousand three people. I thought everybody knew everybody, but I just didn't know him, although he had grown up there. He was trim and handsome and well-dressed, and he had this kind of patrician-bearing except that he was drunk by the time we had arrived at the party. I asked a friend, I said, I just met Tom. What's his story? He said, Tom is a trust fund baby. His parents left him loads of money. He has no job. He has no hobbies except travel. Mostly Tom sits on the back porch of his big house and drinks when the rest of us go to work. Tom had no garden to tend. And if you have no garden, it's a sad way to live. We're in this divine human partnership. Breathed God's own breath. We share in God's creative work. We're designed to be useful and creative, to build, to till, to keep. And we lose the divine flicker that spark, and we go astray and we lose our sense of purpose when we don't embrace that part of who we are. We have limits. We can't eat from every tree. We can't keep every garden. But do you have some garden that's yours that reminds you of why you were put here on this earth to do something? When we get lost in that kind of creative productivity, working with our unique giftedness, all of a sudden the buzzards go quiet. We don't get distracted anymore by our preoccupations or distracted by the lure of fun or self-indulgence or reruns of The Bachelor or whatever else. The serpent has no power over us when we are lost in creative work planting a garden, building a birdhouse, writing a book, cutting the grass, teaching children. When we get swept up with work as gift, work as a celebration of our creativity and accomplishment, then we get to taste something of our divine purpose. Some of you know that Wednesdays are my sermon draft days. I now love Wednesday. I used to dread Wednesday. This is confession time. I'd go into my office on Wednesday and look at that blank computer screen and the deadline that I've got to say something again. 
And I think every truth thing I know to say, I said last week, I've got nothing else to say. I used to dread Wednesday, but not anymore. And I didn't wrestle this up either. This just kind of came as a gift to me somewhere along the pastoral ministry with you. Now, somehow, I have found the love of Wednesday. I get in very early before anybody else, get coffee, close my door, pull down the books I think I'm going to need for that day. I light a candle on Wednesday. Only on Wednesday I light a candle. And I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Then I sit in a recliner and I picture this. I picture you with some individual faces. And I pray for you. And I pray that God will bless me on this Wednesday, looking at this blank computer screen, that this first draft will have some holy and true word that will be water for all of our thirsty lives. And after I've been in the recliner a while, I get back to another table where I've got pen and paper. But first, I turn on Pandora, and I'm sorry to break the pious image I have set up, but it's usually like Billy Joel or Keb Moe or Elton John. I know you were hoping for some Bach, but anyway. (laughs) Then I sit with a pen and paper, and I read and think and pray and read some more and scratch ideas and pray some more and then scratch out the ideas I really didn't like at all. And then I read some more and I jot down quotes and insights from others and I make notes on the corners and I draw lines and I try to connect ideas and then sometimes I have to start all over. But finally, I go to the computer and start typing anything that's coming to mind. And I'm hoping as I look back at the sentences that nobody ever sees these sentences. They're just so bad when they first come out. And then I go back through and I edit and anguish over the right word, the right image. Last week I had flock of birds, but when I went back, I said, no, flock, I want it to be a little stronger. I'm going to go with swarm of birds, not flock of birds. Swarm is stronger. No kidding. I debate stuff like this. (laughs) Sitting in my chair, the background, Keb Moe is singing a song about the pleasures of government cheese, and I'm there typing and typing. (laughs) The point is, I get so lost in the work. I don't think about anything but the joy, what athletes call the zone, what Weldon Gaddy calls the hidden glory in the common things. And it's not that I'm doing something as high and lifted up as sermon prep. You and I both know the hidden glory that's found in common things, the satisfaction of a newly mowed lawn casserole coming out of the oven, a tomato you grew yourself when you snap it off the vine, hitting send on an essay you just completed, signing the document on the deal you just closed, giving your best self to the smallest task. As Rick Wilson said, there's more to being alive than sharing the breath of God. We have work to do. Everybody needs a garden to tend. Everybody. 
It's the only way to be fully alive. My friend Greg Deloach used to be the executive director of DDM, the Developmental Disabilities Ministries. DDM serves the developmentally challenged by helping them increase skills, find jobs, develop community. It's a great ministry. Anyway, one day he was talking to one of his community members about her job at Kroger, and she just kept telling him how much she loved his work. She couldn't stop talking about how much she loved her work at Kroger. Finally, Greg asked her, is there anything about your job you don't like? She said, yes. I hate it when people bag their own groceries. (laughs) She has a purpose. A garden that was hers. She has limits, but we all have limits. But her happiness came from the fact that she had found some place to till and to keep. If you don't have a place, we can help you find one. We have a group of women who come every Monday and break these flowers down into little vases and take them to the hospitals and to shut-ins. We've got local mission partners who are always looking for volunteers. We have opportunities around the church here too. So if you're not currently lost in some worthwhile work, may God restore for you the absolute delight of having something good to do. Because nothing reminds us more that we are made in the image of God than that we also get to do something creative. Let's stand and sing together. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.